Welcome to Eating in Isolation, a talk show about mental health in the food industry. I'm Sue Chan. I'm Sarah Solomon. So today's episode is about boundaries, also known as limits or rules that one creates to recognize safe, reasonable, and permissible ways for other people to behave towards us and how we will respond when someone crosses those boundaries. Boundaries can be physical, psychological, mental, spiritual, and are often based on one owns personal beliefs, intuitions, emotions, and self-esteem. In the last several years, the industry and culture at large has gone through a major reckoning and realization that the abusive and toxic practices that we've endured for so long can no longer be tolerated. While most cases were complicated by an uneven power dynamic, like a boss taking advantage of their employee, There were other cases where if both sides understood boundaries, their own limits, and how best to communicate their needs, perhaps maltreatment could have been prevented. Or perhaps if both sides had the tools and confidence to recognize toxic and dangerous situations, then ongoing abuse could have been prevented. So we thought it'd be helpful, productive, and empowering to learn how to set better boundaries, how to respect your own limits, and how to effectively communicate your needs. So Sarah, is setting boundaries equally difficult for people in work as well as in interpersonal relationships? You can tell me if you feel that way. I certainly think it can be. It also depends on your belief system, really, that may be behind what's driving your behavior, what's driving you to maybe not say no or keep giving or pushing or a fear of setting a limit. So for example... In your work life, you know, a belief that you might be holding on to is if I'm not constantly achieving, if I'm not constantly pushing and pushing, pushing, everything's going to fall apart. I'll fail. I'll be destitute on the street. And this may not be a conscious belief that you're carrying, but it may be an unconscious drive. And so when you may be continually asked to do more and more and more, it may be harder for you to identify that you're saying yes from a place of fear and sacrificing your well-being. Similarly, in your personal relationships, something can happen. Perhaps you have a belief that if you say no to someone that they'll hate you forever or that you'll be abandoned. You may be carrying a fear of abandonment, let's say. And therefore, when someone asks something of you or pushes you to a certain limit, you may have a hard time saying no to them because you believe that if you say no, they won't want to be in your life anymore or they'll have a strong reaction. And not being aware of that belief keeps you saying yes and yes and yes and really, again, sacrificing your own well-being. So to answer your question, Sue, It depends. It depends on what beliefs you're carrying. Some of us have a hard time saying no or asking for what we want across the board. For some of us, it's a lot easier in our work. I know for me personally, in my work life, it's a lot easier for me to set boundaries. It's much clearer for me than it is in my personal life. In my personal life, I have a tendency to overcompensate and give more without understanding where that's coming from. Yeah, I feel like in a workplace too, obviously the power dynamic makes it a lot more confusing and difficult, right? Because yes, you might be ambitious and driven and not want to fail, but like when you're in an uneven power dynamic where your boss has the upper hand, is it driven by your need to please your boss, your fear of getting fired, of disappointing 
if you can elaborate on that, because that obviously adds a whole different layer that doesn't maybe necessarily exist in a personal relationship. Of course, it can also exist in a personal relationship too. Without a doubt, you know, the, the answer is it depends. It may depend on the kind of personality your boss has. And, you know, if they're the kind of person who blows their lid off when you say no, or you don't do something perfectly, yeah, I can understand why you would be terrified to set any sort of boundary. If they're someone who's maybe passive aggressive and you're finding yourself trying to anticipate what they're going to feel or do, then I can see how that would even result in compromising your own boundaries because you're constantly thinking about them and having to read their mind instead of you know them clearly communicating their expectations so that you can clearly communicate what you can and cannot fulfill. So there is a ton of fear that could be underlying with a power dynamic, and it depends on the personality that you're dealing with, how skillful you can be in that circumstance. Yeah, I think a good story to tell is about my friend who's in the art world, who her first boss was just an incredible boss, like the boss that everyone dreams of. And when she left, it was a really great departure. And then she ended up taking another job in the art world that was at a much, you know, it was a much higher position, much more money, also a reputable place. And that boss that she went to go work for was a little bit abusive and it was creating a bit of a toxic environment in their office. And because she had experienced such an amazing boss and knew what she could have and, and knew and had the self-esteem to understand that she deserved better, she was able to actually walk away from that second job and be like, you know, after a couple of months, I don't have to deal with this. I'm walking away. And, you know, I think we'll get into this later. It's, it's also about learning your own self-worth and having self-esteem to be like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> mm-hmm. I deserve much more than a boss who's tyrannical and yelling at me all the time and manipulating me and pitting me against my colleagues and just creating a very, very nasty environment. Like I, I deserve more than this. Absolutely. Essentially what you're saying is if all you've ever known is abuse and disrespect and undermining from your bosses or colleagues or in the workplace or in your relationships anywhere, really, if that's all you've ever known, of course, that's what you believe you deserve. And, you know, essentially, it's normal. It's totally normalized at that point. As you're describing, your friend had this experience where she felt valued, she felt validated, she felt her self-esteem building and building with this positive experience. And so she could easily identify when someone was disrespecting her boundaries You know, I think that it's really interesting when you hear about people in the workplace and their different responses and, you know, really having compassion for the way someone responds when, let's say, they get a a Coke can thrown at their head. You know, the way one person responds to that, like, oh, hell no, you did not just do that. I'm out of here. Bye. You know, is really different than another person. Immediately feeling like I must have done something to deserve that. There's a huge difference between those two. And one of them means we have self-esteem, we have clear boundaries, and that's likely because we got that from our parents or really positive relationships in our life. And the other is unfortunately a result of not getting that modeling. And that's something that we're here to talk about today to try to be aware of that 
default thought or belief that you go to, and then how to build your self-love and implement boundaries subsequently. So how can we learn to identify our own limits? It is a little bit tricky because identifying your own limits, it's personal. Every person has a different limit for different reasons. It really is unique to you. Of course, there are things that are unacceptable no matter what, very clear, abusive, offensive boundaries. But if we're talking about the more nuanced limits, it's hard to identify because it's a felt sense. And so it means being in tune with yourself, what you're feeling and what you're needing in any given moment. So because our emotional reactions are also a felt sense, sometimes it's hard to differentiate between what is my gut? What is my truth? How do I stay centered and grounded in my values and my needs versus I'm having this feeling and I need to react to it. So the simple answer to that between how to identify between both of those feelings is to step away from the situation whenever you can. So slow down, take your time. And if your initial response to something, once you return to it, is still within those parameters, I think it'll be more helpful if I give an example. Or I guess, Sue, do you have an example of something where you might have a hard time identifying your own boundaries and would like to be able to tune into it a little bit more? I'm such a workaholic. So of course, when it comes to boundaries about work, I struggle with those, especially because I'm in client services, right? The whole point is uh, to service your clients. (laughs) And uh, because I am such a workaholic and a people pleaser, I definitely am always going above and beyond and probably working myself to death more than I need to. And Mm -hmm. I always am told that my perception of the situation is so different than other people's perception of the situation. I'm always like, oh, we didn't do good enough. And other people are like, oh, you guys were fabulous and and really excelled. And so, I mean, that's an interesting thing to explore. Like when you say gut, like I'm not sure if I trust my gut, right? Right. Because my gut sometimes is a little bit hypersensitive. And I've seen that in other people that I've worked with who, because in previous jobs, their bosses were a little bit tyrannical, we start collaborating and they're also hypersensitive to my feedback or to my standards. And that's exactly what we're talking about. Actually, you're calling it your gut, but it sounds to me like that's actually your emotional response, your fear response, or the not enough response, right? The one that says, I didn't do good enough. And if I don't do good enough, you're going to reject me or stop working with me. I won't continue to to grow and have success. And then what will that mean, right? These are all fears that are driving this belief that make you act from a place that has a hard time saying, I need a break. Actually, I need to slow down, right? Versus Actually, if you slowed down and tuned into your gut, you might have a very different response. It might say, you know, I've worked really hard on this. If I check the facts here, I've hit every single thing that I need to hit. Anything I do beyond this point is above and beyond. And I could do that, but maybe I don't have the energy right now. Maybe what I actually need right now is just to rest or to turn my attention to something 
else. I imagine that that is really what your gut would be telling you, but your fear, your emotional response is different. And that's what I mean by it's some, it's sometimes it's really hard to differentiate. And one of the best ways to do it is to whenever possible, step away from the situation, take some time, slow down, even like think about something else, do something else. And then when you return to it, see if anything's shifted. I think also being open to a conversation about it, right? So in a work environment, if you require feedback in order to be able to figure out, you know, what your limit is on how much you're doing on a project, perhaps that's helpful. And that's why also setting boundaries and and being able to say them out loud to people is important too, because hopefully the people on the other side are able to listen and talk it out if they don't agree or if they need more from you or whatever, but it's, it's a conversation. Absolutely. So what might get in the way of us setting our own boundaries or expressing our limits? What fears kind of drive that? Yeah. A, a number of things tend to get in the way around not only setting boundaries, but also with us being effective. So asking for what we need or saying no to a request. So if we're defining effectiveness as doing what works, doing what's needed, we want to use skills in order to practice that. And those skills also linked directly to boundaries, to knowing your own limits. So some of those beliefs may be, if I'm not constantly available, then something terrible is going to happen. You know, something terrible could be some sort of catastrophe. It could also be I'm going to disappoint someone or lose someone. Having limits is selfish. That's a big myth that we carry that keeps us from setting boundaries and being effective. One major one, obviously the problem is just in my head. If I could only think about this differently, I wouldn't be experiencing this. Another belief, I don't deserve to get what I want or what I need or to say no. And, and some others are, you know, they're more in the should land. I shouldn't have to ask they should know, right? Or they should have known that that upset me or hurt my feelings. I shouldn't have to tell them. Other people should be willing to do more for me. Those are some really ineffective thoughts and myths that we carry. But I would say one of the very big ones is saying no is selfish. All of a sudden, selfish has become a really negative thing when actually taking care of yourself is the most important thing. You are no good to no one if you're not taking care of yourself. And that's something that we have to constantly remember, especially because we're constantly available for many of us working from home and then certainly in the hospitality world, without a doubt. As we all know, on a plane, when they tell you, you got to put on the air mask, you know, you always put on yours first before helping anyone else. Right. It really is. What are the best practices to use to communicate boundaries and limits? We do have some skills for this. Um, and again, first and foremost, you want to be aware of a belief that you might be carrying that is driving your difficulty with setting the boundaries and some of those ineffective myths or things that are getting in the way. So we first want to be able to identify those. Then once you know what it is that you want to say no to or what you want to ask for, we have a couple of skills. So the first I like to call the trifecta. So the trifecta is about meeting three very important pieces of a situation in order to walk away feeling like you were effective and skillful. And those three pieces are 
your objective, your goal, which is what you want to get out of the situation, the relationship, which is how you want the other person to feel about you and how you treated them, and your self-respect, which is how you want to feel about yourself and how you handled the situation. So those are three things that we always want to keep in mind. And I think it's really important to prioritize them. So to know which one is your number one, which is your number two, which is your number three, objective, relationship, self-respect. And it's going to differ from situation to situation. So I'm going to give you an example in a moment. Well, actually, I'll give you the example now, and then I'll segue the second skill. So Sue, do you have anything coming to mind for you that you're feeling like, torn on or someone's asking something of you or need something of you and you're having a hard time addressing it or saying no, or it's something that recently happened that you had a hard time with. So I've done a lot of work on (laughs) figuring out my own boundaries um, because I do struggle with it, especially in the workplace. So a client who also happens to be a friend, so was definitely like a good person to practice on, reached out on a Saturday called me and then texted asking for some work to be done over the weekend. And I felt like the work did not need to happen until Monday because the project in question was a few months from now. Because I had a really long week and I was really exhausted on Saturday and just needed at least one day to relax, Mm -hmm. I told him or I asked him, hey, can this wait until Monday? Because I feel like, you know, it can. And also I'm trying to set some boundaries between work and my personal life. The moment I said the B word, (laughs) I felt immediate regret because it also just felt like really intense to use the B word because it's not like he was, you know, touching me inappropriately. It was literally, he was just like asking me for some work. I didn't have to like go that deep. But I think because I'm still learning how to best communicate my boundaries, I just went there immediately because it was like the easiest way to like set the limit. And then we like called each other on the phone, talked it out. Everything was fine. We waited until Monday and, you know, he's a dear friend and so was very understanding. But then during the weekend, there was a moment where I was thinking about the project and like texted him about it. And I broke my own boundary that I had just set, which is very confusing. Right. And because he's a good friend, he was still continuing to respect my boundary and actually did not respond. (laughs) But then that sent me in a little bit of a spiral. I was like, oh no. (laughs) One, I felt guilty about setting my boundary. And then two, it was like, oh, what does he think of me now? So... Of course, everything is fine now. Everything's Mm -hmm. fine, as it always Mm -hmm. is. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I'm still learning how best to do that and and how to not feel like everything is going to combust if I do set my boundaries and my limits. Right. This is a a perfect example. It sounds like your fear really kicked in. You know, first of all, for all of us, when we're starting to try to set limits and respect them, we do, I think, get a little clumsy and that's okay. I still think great modeling, you know, this colleague or friend, it may not even have occurred to them that it was the weekend. And you might have even tipped them off like, oh, yeah, maybe I want to put my work down for a minute too. And remember that when you're trying to practice these things that you may be setting an example for others too, that can be really positive. Um, But let's just break this down for a minute so we can identify all the pieces in the trifecta. So it sounds like your objective was to enjoy your weekend, to not work on the weekend, and to also tell this person that you didn't want to work on the weekend, right? So that's objective. Your relationship, how do you want this person to feel about you? You want to feel good about you. You want them to feel like you care about the work. You want them to know you're reliable. And then the third, how did you want to feel about yourself? How did you want to feel about respecting your own limits 
and how you communicated that and, you know, not sacrificing your own values in the process. What was going on in my head that made me set the boundary is I actually think the work would have been better had we waited on Monday versus doing it on the Saturday because one, Mm -hmm. I already had a super long week and needed that break. And two, you know, I needed to rest. And Mm -hmm. on Monday, I think I would have been a lot sharper. And then also another realization that I've had, and this is a new one, is my work is going to be just as good whether I'm working nights and weekends or not. You know, and if anything, I think the work is going to be better because I'm not working nights and weekends. Yeah, I would really make the argument for the latter that your work is going to be better if you're taking care of yourself. Yeah. First of all, you handled this really well. It sounds to me like your number one priority here is the relationship. For sure. Number two priority is it sounds to me like your self-respect, actually, like feeling like you spoke up for yourself and what you needed you know, and I'm really proud of you for doing that. And number three is your objective, which is to not work on the weekend. Now for another person in another situation, those could be totally different. And what I also want you to remember about this trifecta, it's a triangle. It's an equilateral triangle, meaning we're still going to meet every single one of these. It just helps us when we walk away from the situation to feel that we were our most skillful self and we were our most intentional when we're clear about our priority. So for you, you approached this with real consideration for the relationship and saying, hey, I hear you. I hear you want this. You know, you want to talk about this. It seems to me like this is something that can wait until Monday. So that's considerate and also clear. To also add, I would work on it now, but I'm really burnt out. And I actually think I'm going to give it my best attention on Monday. So that really reinforces that you're listening, that you care, and that you're taking care of yourself. So we hit all three, but you're really prioritizing the relationship there. Now, the skill that I like to use when we're trying to have a conversation like that is FFR, which is facts, feelings, and requests. So just keep it really simple. First, you state the facts of the situation. Then you state the way you feel about it. And then you make your direct ask, your request, or you can decline. So the example I just gave, I think, ran that script. But I just want you to keep that in your head because it's a really great skill to have. You want to start something by stating the facts, describing what's going on. Then say how you're feeling about it and where you're at with it, and then give your very direct answer. Sounds so easy, Sarah. Uh, you know, it does get easier <laughs> with, with practice, yeah. but no, it's not easy at first. It takes practice. Yeah, I guess my worry, which I probably will never get there because I struggle with setting boundaries so much, is that you start setting you, boundaries everywhere, and then also you've built a fort around you, and <laughs> no one yeah. wants to work with you, and no one wants to be with you because you've set all these crazy <laughs> boundaries. But of course, there's like, you know, a fine line. I think we talk a lot about this offline that, you know, there is a difference between having high standards, doing good work, going above and beyond, 
and then like the toxic version of all of those things, right? And there is obviously a fine line, but I think identifying it or just understanding these tools and having them in your tool belt can kind of yes. get you to a closer place where it doesn't cross over into toxic land, but yet you're still, I don't know, achieving the way in which you want to achieve, but it doesn't become like a toxic situation. Totally. I think that your fear that you just named of, oh my God, I'm going to set so many boundaries that everyone's going to think that my answer is always no, or they're going to, you know, they're going to feel like I'm this impenetrable wall. That's a belief that we could probably really pick at <laughs> and see what's under there. You know, what, what, where does that come from? What is the fear there? If you're setting boundaries and saying no, when respecting your own limits, what's the belief? Like, do you want to give that example from the dinner the other night? I pride myself on not being a flake. If I make a commitment, I always follow through. I very rarely cancel on people. And if I do, and you know, to all my friends and colleagues out there, if I cancel on you, it means I have a real reason that I'm canceling because I really pride myself on being a reliable person. But the other day, once again, I had that really rough week and just could not make it to dinner and felt very guilty about it. You know, I hadn't seen them for a really long time. We were all super excited. Literally the day before I was like, I'm so excited to see you. And then when I woke up Saturday morning, the day of our dinner, I was like, oh man, I don't know if I'm going to last the whole day. Mm. And I was like, oh, should I tell them now? No, 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 no. I can do it. And then <laughs> I like let this drag on until literally 30 minutes before the dinner. And I was like, oh my God, I just can't do it. Can we take a rain check? And yeah, I felt really bad and guilty because, you know, there was a little bit of shame attached to it. And I, like I said, pride myself on being, you know, a reliable person and just felt really guilty. But I think ultimately what I should have done is just told them in the morning versus telling them 30 minutes before. <laughs> well, it's definitely not a should. Right. Right. And I think it's interesting that your biggest concern was being a flake, right? That that's something you really want to avoid, really want to avoid, but not being skillful, not being tuned into what you needed and attending to that ironically resulted in you being extremely flaky. And yeah. that does not mean that you're a flaky person, but that's that's what happened. My understanding of, you know, what happened, it's it's similar to when someone ghosts you, right? It's like mm -hmm. they are so ashamed or feel bad about hurting your feelings. Like let's say it's in, in a dating situation. It's like they're not into it, but they're so afraid of hurting your feelings that instead of saying, I'm not into yeah. you, they just ghost you, right? Mm -hmm. Or in a work situation, you know, there have been times when we've wanted to work with someone and we're talking about it, talking about it. And then all of a sudden I just like stop hearing from them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. it's like, okay, <laughs> after a month, I'm going to assume that it's because you're not available. But had you just told me, I would have moved on and everything would have been fine. Right. Same thing with a ghosting in a romantic relationship. It's like, you should just tell the person, everyone's going to be bummed. But it also takes out the mystery of like making up the story of like why you're not hearing from that person. And it is ultimately best to communicate as soon as possible when you're feeling something. Totally. And the two things that are going to really help you do that are one, understanding your deeper belief, your deeper feeling, and then two, having the skills to feel like you can address it. And so we know that you were fearful around being a flake and you want to be considered reliable, but I'm curious if we kind of go a little bit deeper, if we can identify if there was another feeling or fear around telling them that you 
were too burnt out or unavailable. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure with everything, right, in work and in life, it's whether or not I'm going to be accepted, whether or not I'm going to be liked. I think both those things. Yeah. So in other words, a fear of disappointing them or letting them down. And then it sounds like the fear around that is that they'll stop liking you or won't accept you. And maybe even on a deeper, deeper level of fear of loss or abandonment. If they stop liking you or accepting you, they're they're not going to want to be friends with you anymore, which is a really scary thought. Right? And I think one that a lot of us carry, actually, when we think about saying no or disappointing someone. Now, if we actually examine this belief and this fear, I think we could identify that, yeah, your friends might have been disappointed or even annoyed that you bailed last minute probably mostly because they were excited to see you. Now, the likelihood that they were going to write you off as a flaky person and even further, you know, they wouldn't like you anymore or wouldn't want you in their life in some way, it's really extreme. So it takes a little bit of that gentle voice coming in and saying, Sue, it's really okay that you need a day off. It's even okay that you tell them last minute, which I'm glad you ultimately did because it sounds like you really needed it. Talk to yourself like a good friend or even a parent saying like, yeah, you know, we all have limits and your friends will understand. And if they're unwilling to understand, that's not a reflection on you actually. And that's not a rejection of you either. You're worthy of taking time to yourself and it's okay to say no sometimes. So what happens if you constantly let people cross your boundaries? You tell me. (laughs) Burnout, overworking. um, Yeah, and I think ultimately losing a sense of yourself. Yeah, and then having to rebuild that takes a long time. I think longer than most people realize. Yeah, a lot of times your life becomes really unbalanced. You know, in your relationships, it can often look like you are giving and giving and giving and it isn't being reciprocated in some way. Again, you're constantly available or on call. You're usually pretty depleted or exhausted. I don't know about you, but we can also start to build resentment. We can also start to feel angry that things are being expected of us or that we need to do things because we we aren't feeling taken care of. Yeah, I think I've seen that in people around me where and it's probably like the codependent side of them, right? It's constantly giving, giving, giving. And then when the other person isn't giving as much back, it's really easy to start resenting them, right? It's like, how dare you not show up for me this one time when all I do is give, give, give. And it's not even about you not showing up for them that one time. It's about them having constantly given to everyone around them. And so when one person doesn't show up for them, it's like how dare you? You know, it's like all of that is put on to the one time that someone lets them down. Yeah. Yeah. And the the resentment, you know, it also can look like building a case or building ammo. So you might not say it the one time you're disappointed or the one time you feel like someone didn't show up for you, you hold on to that and then you hold on to another and you hold on to another. And all of a sudden you have all of these things that you're angry about, you know, ways in which someone let you down because you didn't have the tools to say, hey, this doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like we have a balanced relationship. I feel like I'm giving a lot and I'm not getting it back. You know, by the time we often get to that point, it's almost too late. 
we're so angry or so resentful or we lose our temper and then we end up acting in a way that we don't respect and a way that isn't respectful to others either. So being mindful of that is is really helpful, really important. So I'd like to kind of flip this and talk about how one can be better about not crossing other people's boundaries. I mean, you know, some things that you could do are probably obvious, but kind of like the less obvious tools that we can implement. Boundaries again, are different for everyone. So sometimes it's another person's responsibility to tell us their limit. What is your responsibility is to listen when someone tells you their limit and be respectful of that. And so if someone says, you know, I really want to come to this event, you know, I'd love to be there, but I just don't think I can make it. You know, if you really want to respect their limits, you say, I'm disappointed, but I understand and do what you need to do to take care of yourself. A lot of times what we do is, you know, come on, I really need you there. We end up defaulting to our own needs first. And so to really consider that someone else may be struggling or just is trying to, you know, express their own limit is something for us to really practice respecting. If you have a hard time with that, a great tool is to do some active listening or mirroring. So if someone is, you know, expressing something to you to actually just say directly back to them what you heard. So I just heard you say you're totally wiped and part of you wants to be there, but part of you really doesn't want to be there. So you can just say to the person exactly what you just heard them say. You don't even have to insert your own feeling or opinion, depending on the circumstance, of course. So I think that's a great way to respect other people's boundaries is simply listening. And especially if someone is saying no, really tuning in and paying attention to that and respecting it. And I think also ultimately how you would want someone to treat you, right? Treat others the way you want to be treated without a doubt. Okay. So can you repeat the two tools again, the trifecta and then the FFR? Yes. So the trifecta is... Imagine a triangle and you've got your objective, which is your goal. You've got the relationship, which is how the other person's going to feel about you. And then you've got your self-respect, which is how you want to feel about yourself. And those are three things that you always want to be mindful of when you're going into a situation. And ideally, you want to be able to prioritize one, two, three, which one is most important to you. You're trying to hit all of them. For FFR, it's facts. So state the facts. You know, I like to start with, I've noticed or I'm seeing or I'm hearing you say this, then feelings. I'm really feeling concerned or upset or unwilling, whatever it may be. And then the request, I'd really like for you to stop asking me to do this, or I don't think I'm available for this. So it's not necessarily a request. It can also be a decline, but it's your direct ask. It's your direct statement is the final. And then for bonus points, you can do a little reinforcer. So if you can meet me here, if you can meet my request, I think it'll really benefit us and the relationship. Like for your example, Sue, when we said, if we can wait until Monday to work on this, I think the outcome is going to be much more productive and beneficial for the project, right? That's a reinforcer. That's like rewarding someone ahead of time. For respecting your boundaries. Exactly. That's it for today's episode of Eating in Isolation. Thanks for tuning in. Episodes out every Tuesday. Follow us on Instagram at Care of Chan. Email us questions and ideas at eatinginisolation at careofchan.com. To find Sarah, visit solomontherapy.com. And remember, you are not alone.